This is Dune Talk, a DuneNewsNet.com production. Join us now for the latest Dune news, reactions, and lively discussions. Hey everyone, we're back with a special episode of Dune Talk. This is the official show of DuneNewsNet.com, where we cover everything happening in the world of Dune. All the latest news and reviews regarding the movies, TV show, books, comics, games, and collectibles. Often we're here with our regular crew of four, and other times we bring on special guests for interviews. Today, we're excited to bring you this exclusive interview with Super 7. Founded in 2001, they're a leading pop culture design house specialized in collectibles, toys, and apparels, linked to science fiction, comic books, uh, various music properties. Most recently, uh, they've released their first wave of retro-style Dune reaction figures. We actually haven't covered collectibles and toys that much on Dune Talk. However, there's definitely been a lot of great products coming out recently. This is Marcus, Editor-in-Chief of Dune News.net. I'm joined by my co-host Simon, who was first introduced to, to, uh, to Dune by the 1984 toys. Hey everyone, uh, thank you for watching. Simon Dowdy here. Like I've said many times on the podcast before, my gateway drug to the Spice Melange was the 84 toys. My parents owned a like kind of a big lot store and their wholesaler told them, buy a lot of 84 Dune figures, because it's going to be the next big Star Wars then you're going to make so much money off of it. Sadly, it didn't, but I had a nice collection growing up. Great. And it's our pleasure to welcome uh, Josh, uh, VP of Design at Super 7, and they're based out of San Francisco. Uh, Josh, uh, welcome to Dune Talk. Uh, to start out, uh, tell our viewers and listeners a bit about who you are and uh, then what your role is at Super 7. Hey, guys. Uh, great to be here. Thank you for having me. Uh, my name is Josh Herbelsheimer. I'm the, you know, like you said, the the VP of design here at Super 7. Uh, I've uh, been here since uh, nearly the beginning. Uh, been here about a decade and a half or so. Uh, I sort of started sweeping the floors and uh, working at the uh, the storefront and gradually did a little bit more here, a little bit more there. And uh, at this point, I sort of oversee the making of all the donuts, which is kind of a kind of a fun, uh, fun job. Uh, and uh, lately, you know, like, uh, like you mentioned, I got to be involved in the making of these Dune reaction figures uh, based on the 84 film. Yes, it's always fascinating to hear from, uh, from other fans of Dune and learn how they were first uh, introduced to this fantastic universe that was created by Frank Herbert uh, decades ago. Uh, Josh, what's your connection with, with Dune? Were you already a fan back in 1984? No, no, actually, uh, I came to it a bit later. I was, uh, I was uh, a little young in 84. I, I was born in 1980, so 1984, I was still mostly, you know, into like Sesame Street, Mr. Rogers. So Dune was a little advanced for me at the time. Uh, but I got, as I grew up, I got into, you know, He-Man, Transformers, Star Wars, all, you know, Thundercats, all of those types of things. And as I uh, got older and got more interested in, you know, what else, what else existed in science fiction, what else existed, it was uh, primarily the Dune film, the, the Lynch 84 uh, movie that I came to first. I actually uh, went and saw that at a midnight screening at a uh, local movie theater in Omaha where I grew up they were doing a David Lynch series so I went and saw you know Blue Velvet one weekend the next weekend I saw uh, Wild at Heart and then the next weekend was Dune the next weekend was and, uh, uh, a few other things and I was sort of uh, loosely familiar that uh, with Dune as a thing I had heard of it I didn't really know anything about it and I saw the movie and was like whoa this is really interesting this is really unusual it's really cool uh, got a copy on VHS at the time and watched it a few more times and really sat with it. Uh, at that time, I was 
really into collecting Star Wars toys. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm in high school at this point. So starting to go back to some of the stuff I grew up with, started, you know, going to thrift stores and flea markets, picking up uh, Masters of the Universe toys, Transformers, those sorts of things. And I still hadn't clued into yet the idea that there were Dune toys out there. Mm -hmm. And so a little bit, you know, time went on and I, I sort of came across the Dune toys. I picked up a uh, Paul Mwadib figure at some point at a, a thrift store or other, I forget exactly where. And it's like, oh, this is weird and cool. And it sort of feels kind of like my Thundercats toys in style. And uh, just little by little started to dig a little deeper and pick up something here or there. And then it, it wasn't until, uh, geez, maybe maybe 10 years or so ago, I actually uh, sat down and read the, the original Dune book and it's like, oh wow, this is really, you know, this this whole this whole thing. And then, of course, there was the documentary on Yodorowsky's Dune that I, I watched through that. And uh, it's uh, just here and there. It's always sort of percolated in the background as something I was thinking about. And then when we got the opportunity to make the toys uh, here at Super Seven, then it was like, oh, okay, cool. I'm, I'm familiar with a little bit of the toys. I'm familiar with the movie. Familiar with the book. I know there was a TV miniseries that I haven't seen. Uh, there was a computer game in the 90s. I played a little bit uh, at a friend's house one time, so I don't really remember it that well, but it was just uh, a cool thing that had always sort of piqued my interest. And then, of course, the new movie now. Uh, uh, so it's, uh, yeah, I guess, I guess that's my, my brief Dune history. Awesome. Well, well let's, let's go ahead and uh, talk about Super 7 and those Dune uh, reaction figures. Uh, so starting out, um, it's, it's worth noting, as, as we were mentioning just before the show, like wave one of the Dune reaction figures are out right now. So you can, uh, you can order them uh, direct from, from Super 7. And um, yep. keeping in mind, um, some fans are aware of the 84 toys while others aren't. What can collectors expect from, from this new range of toys? So they're there's sort of two things there. One, reaction figures in general are sort of a, you know, we started uh, back in 2013 with reaction figures, and that started with the original unproduced alien figures uh, from 1978 made by, or prototype rather, by Kenner, uh, who made the Star Wars toys, if you're not familiar. And uh, so we resurrected those original toys, and that kicked off this whole line of reaction figures that is basically... Yeah, there we go. You got the uh, the big chap right there. Awesome. Uh, the the idea is what toys should have existed in the late seventies, early mid eighties in that classic Kenner Star Wars three and three quarter style that didn't. And so we went and went back and okay, here's Back to the Future, here's Masters of the Universe, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Uh, and then so when we got to Dune. You know, we said, okay, well, what what makes sense there? And we kind of we went back and forth a bit. You know, the what would have existed if the original toys didn't probably would have been a little bit more, uh, a, a little bit more Star Wars esque, I suppose, if we were being more slavish to reaction. But being the nerds that we are, uh, both for cool old movies and comic books and that sort of thing, but also for cool old toys, it seemed like a it. it we, we had to go down the old toy route a bit here. So it's a, a little bit of that old three and three quarter route and a little bit of that uh, uh, 84 LJN figure reference. And so that's, uh, that's where we went. And we sort of interpreted uh, those figures plus some of the stuff from the movies into this three and three quarter format. I remember being at Comic-Con 2014 and getting that alien figure. And I also got the Super 7 shirt. I was super oh, yeah. excited as someone that's a big alien fan. I mean... 
I even have a Zoom oh, yeah. <laughs> tattoo. Um, what was it like dealing with the estate, with the Herbert estate? And did you have to deal with Universal because they had the rights to the Lynch movie? Yeah, it, uh, the, so the, on the, the specifics of the licensing side, I don't get into so much personally. Uh, I'm more involved on the design end of everything, but the, we did go through Universal and uh, through the, the Herbert estate and whatnot. And, you know, for the most part, it was, it was pretty easy, pretty seamless. The, there was no uh, actor likeness rights included in the, in all of the original contracts and so forth. So that's why you see, you know, we have these sort of stylized illustrations on the card rather than a, a photograph or a, you know, a realistic painting of the, of the actors. Uh, so that was one, uh, one thing we had to navigate. And they also didn't really have any um, usable assets from old, like poster artwork or anything like that. So we recreated all the card back artwork and so forth is all stuff that we recreated ourselves uh, to, to navigate through that uh, constraint. But beyond that, it was a uh, real easy, real, uh, you know, real fluid process. The, the approvals back and forth on our sculptures and then our paints and so forth. Uh, you know, they had some, uh, some good notes here and there, but uh, it was it, it was a very very easy licensing situation. Nice. I personally love the card backs. I mean, I I open my figures. I'm definitely an opener, but I like the glow, like just a basic kind of Photoshop outline with the glow, and it also makes their blue eyes stand out more. So I'm a big fan of that. Um, were you able to get any of the '84 models? Because I know the production just for those '84 toys were really Hard and there's so many, you know, by um, prototypes out there that people have. So were you able to get the 84 toys or did you guys take 84 toys apart and how did you come up with them? Well, we, we actually do have a couple of hard copies from the uh, 84 series. Uh, there's the, uh, uh, the Gurney Halleck figure that never got produced. We've got a, a hard copy of that on ice here for, for someday, who knows? Okay. Uh, then, I have uh, a question about that later on. So okay, okay. Um, but no, these were we we used. You know, the uh, we referenced the uh, the vintage figures, of course. But these were actually sculpted, scratch sculpted by uh, one of the original Kenner figure. Uh, excuse me, one of the original Kenner sculptors who worked on the uh, Star Wars and Empire Strikes Back series, uh, sculpted in wax, just like the old days. You know. And it, a lot of the stuff nowadays is done digitally. It's just more efficient and you can get, you know, tighter detail. And, and then when you go overseas to production, it makes life a lot easier. But with these, given the history of what this property is and the time frame and whatnot, we felt that it was really important to go with a more, you know, a more traditional touch and a more traditional process. And so, you know, we've used uh, some of those old uh, Kenner sculptors out of retirement here and there and this this was definitely a point where that felt like an important direction for us. So, uh, so that guy uh, who uh, he, he requested to not be named uh, because he, he likes to live, you know, not get his door burst down by uh, collectors and so forth. But uh, he did a great job, knocked these out of the park, looking at, you know, those old figures, as well as just what is the, what is that classic three and three quarter style? I mean, yeah, kudos. I thought you guys were able to get some of the moles. Like I'm looking at both the 84 and the current Baron and it's it's a masterpiece. Like I love even like the little warts on the Baron and Ethan. Um, skipping to one of my questions about Gurney. So I'm I'm a big pug guy. I have two of them around. 
And some people might remember Gurney does have a battle pug in the 84 movie that Patrick Stewart holds. Any possible Gurney for Wave 2, maybe with a pug? I mean, that. I think, uh, I think that would be great. Yeah, I think that would be great too. So, so speaking of, you keep saying this is Wave 1. Is there a possibility for future waves? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I, I think there's, you know, obviously there's other characters to be done both uh, from the original figure line that are not represented here. Uh, you have uh, Fade and Raban, uh, as well as other characters, you know, like Gurney that never got made in the old series and so on. Um, you know, it, it, it left to my druthers, I would make up to, you know, wave seven, wave nine, wave 12. Uh, I'd love to get into the newer movie as well. I'd love to, you know, play with a, a million things. Of course, you know, being being what it is, it's uh, there's a, a business concern there as well. So, you know, if these if these connect well and warrant a second wave, then absolutely we'll go there. If not, you know, then we may have to pump our brakes a little bit, and you know, maybe a second wave is a a bit of a smaller offering. Who knows? But uh, you know, I I look at these and I I see lots of potential, and I I hope other people like them. Oh yeah, as soon as I saw the wave that was announced with that little teaser that you guys posted on Instagram and all the rest of the social, just with the sand warm, I was like, <laughs> oh no, they're not there. Oh, yep, they are. And then my first reaction was like, wait, where's Faye Rafa? That could yeah. be wave two, you know? And you said something about the New York movies. I know you guys specialize in like 80s stuff. Like I have some of your tur Turtles, Back to the Future, obviously the Alien stuff. Is the the Need No Knows movie something to think about because it's still fresh in people's mind and it's not that retro look yet. Is that something that you guys are thinking about maybe like a Chalamet, Zendaya type of figures? Yeah, I mean, we, you know, we we primarily have done, a, uh, you know, like you said, a lot of uh, retro properties and, and uh, stylings, but, you know, there's, we've done a few modern things and, you know, we're always sort of looking at, you know, what else is out there? What else is cool? What would be fun to do? That's the, you know, what our, our sort of driving uh, mission is, what do we want to exist that doesn't exist in the world? Okay, let's go make that. And so looking at the, that newer film, you know, there's, there's a new interpretation on all these characters. And then there's just a ton of rad, like suit designs and costume designs and like, weird helmets and all that it's just like I would I would love to just go deep down that uh down that road as well uh the the how when where of it little little remains to be seen but uh it would be it would be amazing I think they would make uh excellent figures nice um so going back to like the old Kenner Star Wars lines vehicles were a big deal of it and in the 84 line there is a sandworm if people can mm -hmm. actually find it yeah. If cells, let's say cells are great, right? Mm -hmm. Sandworms, spice harvesters, and maybe even a space navigator possible down the line? Sure. I mean, if if the uh if the demand warrants, you know, the making figures is uh, you know, th there are some hurdles around, you know, startup costs and and some of those things. Vehicles, just the it, it becomes an order of magnitude more difficult to get made. But I mean, nothing is off the table. Uh we would love to do all of it. It just, you know, it just depends on how, how, uh, how well these all connect with people. So people go buy them. You, we want more figures, especially yeah. the 84 movie. Like I said, the toys and the 84 movie holds a special place in my heart. So I guess the next question is very much depends on sales. 
I'm a big fan of your Turtle Ultimate series and just mm-hmm. the Ultimate series in general. And the original 84, almost a little bit smaller than the Ultimate series. Is that a possibility? Maybe not for the whole entire wave, but the Baron screams Ultimate figure every time I look at him. I think that, yeah, that's definitely a possibility. I think, you know, there's um, uh, the Baron would be a great one. I think the uh, the Stilgar and uh, Paul in the still suits, I, that's uh, my sweet spot personally, seeing the, those figures or those uh, costumes rather realized in that format. But I mean, it's, you know, the like, like any of these other uh, discussions, the possibilities are endless and they would be amazing to make. Uh, so, uh, yeah. I will say the still suit, I was, I opened mine yesterday finally, and just the detail even on the back is just gorgeous. You guys outdid yourself, the paint job, everything. So I guess um, you guys, in a way, I feel have inspired Kenner and Hasbro to go back and make, now they're doing their Star Wars retro lines. (laughs) Do you think you guys have any, you guys had any inspiration in that? Uh, I mean, maybe it's, it's, uh, I don't want to take, take a bunch of too much credit uh, because, you know, we, the, the reaction series is, is, you know, clearly heavily influenced by old Kenner. And now, you know, new Hasbro is doing new Kenner that references old Kenner, which we reference and they referenced us and we reference them and they reference that, you know, it's, it all gets, it all gets pretty circular at the end of the day, you know, the more, the more cool stuff that's getting made uh, you know, I'm I'm happy to see I'm happy to see them doing their Marvel three and three quarter retro style. I'm happy to see just just more stuff out there. It just makes a uh, makes you know a, the, the the rising tide sort of raises all boats, and then it just leads to even more cool stuff getting made. Yeah, when I saw those Marvels come out, I was like, wait, there's not a Super Seven logo on the packaging. <laughs> I thought I honestly thought it was you guys. So I guess one of my questions is, as a longtime toy collector. You know, one of my first memories ever is having a Billy D. Williams, Lando Calrissian figure, mm. at, you know, in the 80s. Um, how does one become a toy designer? Um, well, uh, I don't know how most people became toy de- designers, but uh, I sort of did accidentally, to be honest. Um, I went to school for animation and I was living here in San Francisco where I, where I went to school And at the time, there was this cool magazine called Super 7 that was about old Japanese toys, uh, you know, Godzilla, Kaiju, Tokusatsu heroes, all that sort of thing. And I remember picking up that magazine, The Kid Robot, when I used to live in Los Angeles. Oh, yeah, there you go. Uh, So, yeah, I I picked up the first few issues, thought it was cool. And then uh, it was announced that they were opening a shop in San Francisco. And so I went, you know, the first day they opened, uh, you know, and met Brian and, uh, you know, just talk nerdy for a while. And uh, then as I went through school, I sort of needed a part-time job. And I ended up just sort of tripping into working at the shop and helping out a little bit here and there. And gradually, uh, the opportunity to help design some t-shirts came up. And then the opportunity to help color some toys came up. And it just sort of built organically. And uh, all of a sudden, one day, I was making toys for a living. And uh, so it it was... uh, you know, like I said, kind of a, it was never really the plan. I've always been uh, a huge toy nerd since I was a kid and uh, fascinated with it. I've made custom figures for years before I got into even going to art school or any of that, but it, it was never like a thing I aspired to do until I was just kind of doing it. And it was like, oh, all 
all right, this kind of works. This is cool. I'm surprised this is a real job. This is awesome. Uh, I don't know how anybody else got into it. Yeah, I remember having my GI Joes, my, you know, the old ones with the little screws in the middle. Oh, yeah. I would take them apart and make different custom Joes. And I would come back to school the next day and people would be like, whoa, what is that? I'm like, it's a prototype. I'll trade you Uh, 10 of your Joes for one of these. uh, And people caught on and then like, wait, that one had a scratch like the one I traded you. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I've always been a, a big toy guy. I mean, I'm not going to lie. A lot of my paycheck goes to toys, but I appreciate everything that you guys do. Um, do you have any other favorite lines that you've worked on? Like, I love Iron Maiden. They're one of my favorite bands. Hmm. I love the Eddie Glow in the Dark figures that you guys have done. Is there any lines that you've worked on that you really are like, yeah, I did that? Yeah. Uh, I mean, there's been so many at this point. We uh, we just passed the 1,000 1, reaction figure uh mark a month or so ago so uh probably more than i'm going to remember off the top of my head uh the worst is a a one that's near and dear for me uh working on some of those um obviously getting to touch some of the characters i grew up like getting to work on masters of the universe and getting to you know do have some uh have a hand in a new interpretation of skeletor that felt pretty cool same thing, you know, getting to uh, make a giant dead Optimus Prime, that, uh, that was a fun thing. So that's a, I remember going to see that movie and crying in the theater as a kid. And then at the end of it being like, okay, mom, we need to go back and watch that again right now. And uh, she was a good sport and played along. And so, you know, there, some, of those, uh, some of those moments uh, that impacted me through toys and cartoons and movies and stuff as a kid, getting to then, uh, have some interpretation of them as an adult has been a, a, a pretty cool, pretty cool thing. Nice. And if people are not familiar with the wars, they're pretty much your own creations of what supervillains would be. And yeah, yeah, it's sort of the, uh, the idea was, you know, when, when we first started messing around with it, you know, there's all these old toy lines and, you know, the, the popular ones you've heard of. And then, you know, of course there's a ton of obscure ones and weird knockoffs and this and that. And if you look across all of them, by and large, the villain is the coolest figure in the in the series, almost always. And so then you, and then you know maybe there's like, oh, the villain is really cool, and the henchman is cool, and the hero is cool. And then there's a couple kind of dorky ones that you sort of get because you want the set or whatever. But it's like, ah, that guy's kind of medium, or that one's kind of medium. But the villain is sweet, and so we thought, well, let's just make a line that's all sweet villains, and like you know, no no heroes, no second in commands no you know backup characters whatever just all kick-ass villains all the way through and so they were the worst villains we could come up with nice and like you said you had a background in animation did you design any of the card backs on any of the lines uh the card backs i did a i did a little bit on some of the early stuff uh, a little bit of uh graphic design and whatnot uh but mostly i i'm in the uh 3d realm doing uh, figure designs. We have a, a super talented graphics team that is, you know, they they do far better graphic work than I ever will. So I, I leave most of that to them at this point. Trust me, as a graphic designer, I'm always inspired when I see like just packaging you know, of it because instantly I get that flashback of being that kid in the 80s, you know, even early 90s and seeing those small figures and being like, oh my God, total flashback of my childhood. 
yeah, yeah. I mean, the 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 package design on these, honestly, you know, is is uh, they they knock it out of the park time and time again. Yeah, and uh, so we, we we touched on it. Obviously, the the twenty twenty one movie that's you know resurfaced Dune and brought it to the popular consciousness. W would you say that that was a major driving factor in releasing these these figures now, or was it always then like a ambition of Super Seven to sort of re revisit these at some point, regardless of uh, of what else was going on? A little, a little bit of both. Uh, it was always an ambition to to do something with these, with the eighty four figures, and so we started working on it. We actually started uh, sculpting these oh, a good, oh, I don't know, three four years ago now. And then other projects came up that were, you know, uh, had had a little bit more urgency in the timeline. So you know, these sort of sat on the shelf for a bit, and then dust, you know, brought them back and revived them a little bit. And so it was a little bit of a start and stop process getting them going. And then when the 2021 film was announced, then that became a, a catalyst where it's like, okay, well, there's an easy or a, a convenient rather point to talk about these because everyone's going to be thinking about Dune again in, in a broad way. So it the the two things just sort of converged uh, to have the thing we always wanted to do line up timing-wise close to this uh, to this new project. And I'm also curious uh, to, to hear about, a little about, about, about your creative uh, process. So like obviously for these figures, they were in, inspired by what was released in 1984 and some of what wasn't released. But uh, as Simon mentioned, there's, you know, a lot of details here. And like, uh, you know, you guys probably had a slight, slightly different approach or thoughts on some details. So how did you go about sort of interpreting them to be released now? Well, it, it, it uh, in general, the creative process differs uh, by project. You know, it, it, we, we sort of have our standard process more or less, uh, and then we'll tailor that, you know, a little bit this way or a little bit that way, depending on what each project is. So generally we'll start with some concept art where, okay, this is what the character looks like. In the case of something like the worst where we're inventing it, you, we spend a lot of time there in refining what that character is, how they look, what do you, you know, what is too far? Can you take something away and that character still reads as what it is? Or, you know, do you take away too much and now it's not clear? And so you have to add back those types of things. Uh, when it comes to characters that already exist, it's similar, you know, like how, how much information do you need on, uh, you know, here's the character on screen, you know, we're not trying to make a replica of that human actor with exactly the same costume and, you know, to every, micro detail necessarily we're trying to translate that into a toy and so we'll a lot of times we'll do some concept art to figure that out then we'll go into uh, 3d sculpt whether that's uh, in wax or digital and start roughing it out finding the proportions those sorts of things mm -hmm. in a case like this where we're looking at you know characters that exist and figures that already exist there's a there's a decently clear roadmap and then it it becomes more about the the small finesse and how do you how do you take that old thing and interpret it down into, uh, you know, into a, a new format that is sort of true to both? So, you know, the uh, the way the figures are articulated is a little bit different. And so then, like, how do you, it gets into a lot of the nuances of how do you convey that costume and volume and whatnot across from, from one format of thing across a different format of uh, figure without losing anything in the translation? I guess I, I have a question just about you in general, like growing up, what was one of your, you said you were a big fan of Masters of the Universe. Did you mm -hmm. have any favorite figures that you remember clearly? Like, this is my figure. Like, I love this figure so much. Oh yeah. Uh, 
Battle Armor Skeletor was was my man growing up. That was that was the guy. Uh, I had one, and then at some point, I had a, a friend over, and they left their Battle Armor Skeletor at my house uh, by mistake. And so, and then I gave it back, of course. But for a while, I had two, and it's like, oh, I've got double Skeletor. This is amazing. And so it it became a thing where once I started uh, going back and and collecting toys, like in in high school, once I had a you know. My, my first job was at a movie theater and I got my first paycheck and went directly to the comic book shop to buy old toys, you know, that kind of thing. Uh, and so over the years, as I would, you know, poke around or go to a thrift store or a garage sale or whatever, if I saw a battle armor Skeletor, I just bought it just cause, and, you know, back, you know, this is uh, late nineties, early two thousands. It'd be like, oh, there's a battle armor Skeletor for 50 cents. I'll take it. And so at, at this point, there's a, a bin at home that's just a unnecessarily large pile of battle armor Skeletors. And if I if I see another one on the way home, I'm going to buy that too. So how many do you think you have currently? Oh, it's in the 40s for sure. Okay. Just, it's dumb. It's totally dumb. No, it's, it's cool. It's not like Dan Larson and his 500 plus effects that he has. Yeah, yeah. Because that, that, that's impressive. Yeah. I actually remember getting a Skeletor for Christmas and being like, this guy's not creepy. And I, this is so messed up of me, but we had a candle going and I tried melting his head a little bit, <laughs> just like that. It would look even more creepy. And my parents, I think, freaked out. They're like, what are you doing? We just got that for you for Christmas. <laughs> like I literally had just opened it. Um, Funny. Any dream projects, not even Dune, but something maybe you can hint at that Super 7's putting out? Um... I mean, there, there's, there's a million things I would love to do. Um, let's see. That's, uh, I'm in the hot seat now. Let's see. We, uh, I mean, honestly, there's a lot of, a lot of dream projects have kind of come true already, which is sort of amazing. Uh, you know, the, the masters, the transformers, thundercats, we're working on Godzilla now. Um, the Godzilla packaging is beautiful. Oh, thank you. Thank you. I, um, I'm on the verge of buying a Godzilla one and actually not opening it and just having it hanging out on my desk just because of the packaging. It's a, it's a good look. It's a good look. Um, you know, we made a, a figure of the Misfits Fiend. That was a cool, uh, you know, crossover into uh, music that, I, uh, that was a, a, thing, a special thing. Um, you know, we've, we've done a couple Star Wars toys way back in the, in the early days. We did the, the Shogun Stormtrooper and then the Shogun Boba Fett. Um, there, there's a conspicuous absence of a Shogun Darth Vader. That would be a neat thing to uh, get to one of these days. We'll see. Who knows? Um, pro probably some other stuff too. I'm, I'm just not quite thinking of off the top of my head. Nice. I guess another question just about the company in general. You guys do a live music. Like I said, you do Iron Maiden. I've seen you guys just introduce Lenny from Motorhead. How do you guys select? Because I feel like it's mostly metal. And I, I as an 80s kid, I appreciate the metal figures, but how do you guys select your music stuff? I mean, it, it's for the most part, the, uh, you know, it, it goes back to the same driving principle for all of it, you know, just wanting the stuff that we want to exist that doesn't exist. So it's, it's the stuff we're into, you know, so we have, uh, you know, we're, we're a, a decently large team at this point. And so there's a lot of people with different, uh, different interests and point of view. And so, you know, the, if there's somebody here that's passionate about something, we'll, we'll look at it. And if it's, uh, you know, if it's feasible, we'll, we'll get it made. So we've made a lot of metal. Uh, we're getting into some, uh, getting into a lot of hip hop. We've put a few things out and there's quite a bit in the pipeline. 
and then you know there's uh there's a, a good buddy who works here is super into like a diva uh a pop singer female diva pop singers and so you know there there may be something like that down the way for uh, for people that are into that um and we'll just you know it, it's sort of what what do we want to see what is uh, the different people here that are passionate about it what do they want to see and that that informs where we go so can i put in a request for some music for yeah you? sure sure i would love the clash i would love oh to yeah 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 little joe strummer like on my desk yeah no that would be that would be a, a super fun one we'll see that's you know I, I i can't i can't say too much about certain things but okay who knows maybe maybe that dream will come true one day Fingers crossed. And one one last thing I, I wanted to ask. Uh, mm -hmm. So obviously there are a lot of people passionate about like all the different sorts of uh, collectibles. Um, and I guess some you would say would be considered more more niche than, than others. So in those cases, how how do you sort of interact with with the community and those those collectors? How what's the way of getting feedback? Um, you know, a lot of it is uh, you know. Social media, of course, is a is a, a great way to connect with people all over the world. Um, you know, we're we're coming out of uh, the last couple of years of COVID now, where uh, conventions and stuff were were uh, a, a lot fewer and further between. But you know, we we try to go to a lot of conventions and meet people there, and you know, people come and talk to us. And so, you know, we've uh, we do San Diego Comic Con every year, of course. We do New York Comic Con to. Uh, meet folks on on uh, both sides of the country and you know just just being local to the west coast you know it's a uh, convenient for us to do a lot of the smaller shows and regionally here it's a little tougher for us to get to some other parts of the country though you know we would love to go to i mean we'd love to go everywhere we've done a couple shows in japan way back in the olden days and met some folks there so it's you know any way we can get out and uh meet people whether virtually or in person i mean it, it's uh that, that's really, you know, we can make stuff in a vacuum all day, but if uh, if nobody cares or if nobody else is excited, then, you know, it, it's not really, uh, it, it, it's just our, our little clubhouse and we, you know, we want it to be an open thing and we want to meet anybody who uh, wants to talk about cool stuff. Well, I, I will say again that 2014, when you guys showed off those aliens, that was one of my highlights of my Comic-Con experiences. And I, I used to go to Comic-Con quite a bit when I was still in LA. So, and it's still one of my favorite figure and I still have the eggs somewhere. Oh yeah. Yeah. And I, I wore my super seven alien shirt until like it faded away. <laughs> so I've been a fan for a long time. Thank you so much for joining us. Yeah, of course. Of course. It's been, uh, it's been a lot of fun to hang out and chat. Yeah. Yeah. Josh, it's been a pleasure having you on, on Dune Talk. Uh, so I guess before we, we, we drop off like where, where can people find out more information about you and what's the best way for people to keep up to date on dune and other uh super seven projects uh well the the best way to stay up on what we're doing is uh you know super seven.com is our is our uh online hq we have a you know our presence on instagram uh facebook i, I think we still have a twitter account i'm not i think so i'm not totally sure about that to be honest uh, but and all the new new and exciting news, uh, you know, join our email list if you're interested. Uh, follow us on Instagram and uh, we post we post uh, everything we're doing and teasers for upcoming things and behind the scenes, all all that good stuff. So thanks again. Uh, this has been Simon Dowdy. You can follow me on S Dowdy on all the social media platforms. 
Um, thank you again. Like the the little kid in me is so excited that we have 84 toys. I love the 84 movie. I know it has its flaws, but it holds a special place in my heart. Yeah, this was uh, Marcus Gabriel, your editor at doonewsnet.com. Uh, you can find me writing at doonewsnet.com and on uh, Twitter and Instagram at doonewsnet. Uh, yeah, it's been uh, been great to have uh, Josh on the show today, and we have, we have a lot more uh, coming up um, in terms of uh, what's happening in the world of Dune. Also, the, the movie is uh, filming now as, as we speak. Uh, the TV show is, is continuing. Uh, there's a lot of uh, books, comics, and games coming out. So yeah, pl plenty to talk about in the, in the coming weeks. So look forward to welcoming you back on the next episode of Dune Talk. Awesome. Thanks, guys. We hope you've enjoyed Dune Talk. Remember to like, subscribe, and turn on notifications so you know when the next episode drops. Stay tuned to DuneNewsNet.com and add us to your social feeds. Be the first to hear breaking news and reviews.